hello. Your QL fandom uncle and auntie are here with giant sunglasses, brown liquor in a flask, a folded $5 bill to slip into your hand when nobody's looking, lukewarm takes, occasional rides on the discourse, deep dives into artistry and industry, and most importantly, simping. Lots of simping. I'm Ben. I'm Nini. And this is The Conversation. About once a season, we plan to swan in and shoot the shit on faves, flops, and trends that we've been noticing in the BL, GL, or QL industry. Between seasons, you can find us typing way too many words on Tumblr. We're back. This week, we are finally discussing the shows with terrible bosses. These three shows are the stuff of HR nightmares. But we suppose the course of true love never did run smooth. We're going to talk about Gap the Series, one of our winners. The new employee, one of my winners at least. And History 5, Love in the Future, the show that has made me give up on the History franchise and maybe Taiwanese BL altogether. Ooh, that's a big deal. Let's start there. Now, I have not watched History 5. Don't. And I do not intend to watch History 5. History four did it for me. I never knew. I, I to didn't watch. I couldn't do it. I was half an episode in. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> no, no. I gave up on the history franchise a few episodes into history four. I was like, okay, it looks like this is done for. So I'm curious as to your initial thoughts on history five before all hell broke loose. I was not impressed from the beginning. The premise of History 5 is this character, Bo Wei, is kind of a gopher right before the change of the century. Because they're staring down the countdown to the new millennium in Taipei, and he's he's the kind of like tasker that we rely upon in the modern era with all the stupid fetch quest apps we have, whether it be like the Go Get Me Food app, the Go Buy Groceries app, the Go to the Corner Store for Me app. None of them are paying us. I'm not saying their names. And so (laughs) he ends up in the future in the year 22 in the body of someone else named Daijani. Wait, 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 wait. Pause. So this isn't just a time travel. This is also a body swap. It is also a body stealing, not even a swap. We don't know whatever happens to Johnny. Dai Johnny is a like a tasker, so he takes over the role and he kind of botches his first food delivery to Hai Yi, who becomes his screen partner. Man, I don't want to describe this plot. The long and short of it is, is he and Hai Yi end up hanging out a bunch, and then they end up living together. He makes friends with this character named Lin Yin, who is the best boy. This ends up turning into like a corporate espionage plot at some point that is not compelling. What? How did we get here? So, Hai originally hires him to like help him flirt with this other girl, and that doesn't go great. And Hai ends up kind of falling for Johnny. They end up working at this major department store in like the office in the back end. It feels like super Sears or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a mall called the Poseidon department store. We eventually learned that Hai is actually the heir to the chairman of this. The side couple who's Vincent Lang and Lin Wyan. They're lovely. They're the only good part of the show. They end up breaking up because Vincent's pretending to be a bad guy They're trying to suss out a traitor in the company who's trying to sell the company to their rival. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to stop you right there because there is officially too much going on in this show. Yeah. And I didn't even watch it. It's not good. 
History 5, Love in the Future, earned a 5 for me only because I was being magnanimous. I would have given this a lower score if not for Lin Wayan and Vincent Lang. This show is kind of a hot mess the whole way through. It doesn't know what it wants to do with its time travel conceits and ends up becoming a genuine waste of time for me as a viewer because I never feel like I can connect to what's going on. All of the plot machinations of History 5 feel trite. Like someone really wanted to do a show about corporate espionage, and someone else wanted to do a show about strange mysticism, and someone wanted to do a workplace BL with some high heat elements to it. And everyone was trying to cooperate with the other person, and the editor was like, how do I make this into something intelligible at all? And it is not good at all. It's so bad that even when the primary couple finally gets to have their bed scene, it's so unsatisfying for me because we're still dealing with things being withheld from each other. I kind of wanted to say some interesting things about this show. I really genuinely try to do positive takeaways when it comes to this sort of stuff, but I will not be able to do that here because not only was the show absolutely tedious to watch, for 10 weeks. It inflicted an incest couple on me from History 4, which was the main reason I didn't watch History 4. And the final scene is about them getting married. And I am the person who loves the weddings. How dare they do that to me? I'm confused. You should be, because it's a confusing show. Actually, it's not a confusing show. Like, that's the thing. It's not confusing. It's dull. It's so boring. I mean, you gave it a five. That's basically like a negative number for you. It's not recommended. For me on my scale, a five is only genre fans would find anything of value in this. Vincent Lang is one of the more amusing simps we've gotten to have in genre. His adoration for Lin Yen, so much fun to watch in the early I liked the two of them a lot. But, like, you all know how I am at this point. If I think the side couple is the only watchable part of the show, the show has basically failed for me. I'm not the person who's yelling about the side couples or the crumbs couple of a show. They are not the thing that I signed up for. I don't go out for steak night excited about mashed potatoes or broccoli. The mashed potatoes couple is not what salvages that show for me. My steak was burnt to a crisp, and why is there a weird gray patch on it? (laughs) (laughs) You're making me think of an Am I the Asshole I read last night. Oh, I need to hear about that after we're done. (laughs) 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 It's genuinely just not good. I don't want to watch any more of the History franchise. The only way they could get me back is a trapped epilogue. That's about it at this point for me. This franchise continues to frustrate and disappoint me. I'm so sick of this franchise. I'm over it. I can't do it anymore, Nini. I love Taiwan and the things that they do. They're so particular about certain things. But man, has it been a difficult time trying to be a fan of what they do i'm never gonna watch history five so thank you for taking that bullet history five sincerely y'all not recommended i pride myself on trying to engage positively with every show i genuinely sit down to watch and i committed to it there was something worth committing to there was not here this show is the reason why i'm having a hard time starting some of the more low budget pulps like Tim Tim Jai or Passengers. My patience has worn thin for the weak concepts coupled with haphazard execution. Let's talk about the new employee because I think you and I had some different views on that. 
I'm going to calm you... down because I'm legitimately heated right now. I'm actually legitimately no. upset and angry right now about no, history. No. I don't think I've properly vocalized it before this. I'm so I just right want now. y'all to know, before we started recording, I offered Ben 20 minutes to rant about History 5. And he said to me, and I quote, I'm only going to need five. He has now been ranting about History 5 for 14 minutes. I okay. yield my time back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Should have just taken the 20 minutes, Ben. Mm, yeah. I'm good. No. I got it off my chest. <laughs> All right. There we go. So the new employee, I think you and I had very different experiences with the new employee. You watched we it week to week. I binged it, which is probably about standard for most of what we end up watching. Although we've watched a surprising amount together this year so far. The winter season was just that good. I don't know if I just didn't get it. But I've been having the problem that I had with the new employee with almost all of the KBL. And that is, it's just not hidden. It's not staying with me at all. And while I'm watching it, I find myself bored. I'm not engaged in what's happening on screen most of the time. Everybody told me, you know, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And again, I watched it and I'm just like, eh. You know, it's bad when I can't remember anybody's name. I get some of why the new guy is into the boss. I don't get why the boss is into the new guy. I don't understand how things progress the way that they do between the two of them. Then there's a weird subplot where the new guy used to be in love with like the boss's ex or something like that. It flopped for me. It just fell flat. I know you felt differently. I did. This show had everything. I'm just kidding. I will say this. I am not a fan of Korean media in general. The things that Hallyu calls for, the way they execute, does not consistently resonate for me. I don't generally enjoy K-drama. I've watched a few shows in the last couple of years at Nini and Kyra's insistence and have had some positive responses with some of them. But my appreciation for KBL is relative to my appreciation for BL as a mega genre and queer cinema where it applies. So the new employee for me is a fascinating production in that we have another adapted work because this is another show from Watcha who made light on me, which you didn't watch, and Semantic Error. I don't think Watcha has really missed yet. Light on me is the number two high school BL in my mind right now. It was the number one until my school president existed. It's now number two. I recently rewatched Light on Me. It held its 10 category for me. It was not me being really nice at the time. It's incredibly well done and well executed. It doesn't waste my time. Then they move to Semantic Error, and they execute a college-set enemies to lovers story. And then they move to the new employee where they're executing a Bosch Jr. romance. And I think this is the closest they've come to a miss. And it has to do with money. Light on Me has 16 episodes of about a half hour. Semantic Error has half the runtime. And then here, we thought we were going to get eight episodes. We only got seven. So I felt weirdly cheated at the end. Like I felt like we sprinted to the end of this show. But I really like Kim Jong-chan, the lead here. This show is dealing with two competing ideas. The story it's adapting is a Korean web drama that has strong ties to traditional yaoi roots. The director of this is the same person who did Made on the Rooftop, who is a gay activist in Korea. And so this whole project is two big competing impulses at war with each other. It's taking the traditional overbearing boss and then twisting it. Kim Jong-chan is such an ideal boss. He may be stern and 
demanding in terms of the quality he wants, but he's protective of his own people, tries to make sure that they succeed. He doesn't steal the credit from his juniors, a huge problem in corporate culture everywhere, but especially Korea. And he respects Busanyan completely. There's just something so specific about the fact that he is a very settled gay man. He knows the kind of person he likes, and he sees that immediately in Wu Shenghan. And also, Wu Shenghan is gay, and his best friend is a lesbian. They were in their schools like Queer Club. The primary struggle I have with the new employee is the common problem we're having with most KBL right now. It's mildly incomplete. It is reaching beyond the scope of the time they've been allowed. And they reference ideas that they would have liked to fully develop, and they don't get to finish them. And that's the primary struggle I have with the show. I like Kim Jong-chan so much. I like that when they have the breakup because Wu Shenghan is upset that Kim Jong-chan had hooked up with Na Yusung at one point. I like how his thing is, I don't fully understand why this is such a big deal to you, but I'm going to choose to appreciate that it does matter to you. I'm going to do my best to respect how you feel because I don't want to lose you. And I just really like seeing a character in his 30s who's been around the block with all other sorts of lovers and it's failed. Make the committed choice. I'm not going to blow it this time by being stubborn because I know I'm right. I like that, especially in the age gap couple where the older character has to accept that he can be right and alone or he can let it go and be with the person he cares about. I liked the way the work stuff played out, though I wish that talking to the fans who've read the webcomic, that some of the things that were being hinted at have been developed out. But that for me is the primary angst per se that I feel about the new employee coming out of it, that I feel like I didn't get all of it. And I kind of wish that I had. Light on me and semantic error are easy recommends. But I don't feel like I can recommend the new employee as Workplace BL. And I really wanted to. And I was hoping that the Korean offerings would stand out here. Because I feel like if anybody was going to do <laughs> Workplace Romance well, it was going to be the place that makes all of the Workplace Romance that everyone loves. But whatever. Not yet. I appreciate the new employee because it's, again, part of the how does BL grow from its yaoi roots and connect to queer cinema. And this show is very much a mixed attempt at that. And that's why I think I am nicer to it. I see everything it's trying to do with a huge uphill battle on so many fronts to get there. At the top of our list of workplace outings for the winter, we land at the GL, the sole single solitary one that we have seen so far this year. And that is Gap the Series. Let's just look at it first as a workplace romance. How do you feel about it as a workplace romance? Oh, I'm going to be honest then. Mm-hmm. As a workplace romance, it starts so strong and then flops for me. Do we elaborate? It begins with Becky's character, Mon. Mon is so excited to work at this company because she has idolized Sam for like 15 plus years. And she's finally out of school and she's applying for her work. She ends up working at the company of the woman she's admired her whole life. She apparently does not realize that she has homosexual feelings for her <laughs> longtime idol, which I will allow because... I don't buy it, but continue. I'll accept it because girls. I know lesbians, so I'll let that one ride for now. 
Things thought of interesting because her desire was to work for Sam, work with Sam, become the kind of woman like Sam is. It is not unusual for gay people to want to be the person that they're obsessed with. It ends up getting weak for me towards the end because they decide to play with the conceits about the boss being so higher than the employee. I also conflating this with the high class stuff. And then you've got the whole thing with Sam's controlling ass grandmother. It's frustrating for me because I feel like around episode seven-ish, Mon felt like she stopped having agency in the story. So much of it became just about Sam's angst with her grandmother and less about why does Mon want to be with Sam? And I feel like I stopped feeling Mon's commitment to their relationship. We lose touch with the other workplace stuff, too. They start with this interesting conceit about how Sam doesn't want people dating in the workplace because she thinks it's a distraction that causes problems, whatever. I don't really feel like we go back to that in a meaningful way. We just get caught up in Sam's trauma about her homophobic grandmother. And I feel like the workplace stuff fell off. And I also feel like the workplace rivalry thing went away. Like I liked the early arc of Mon having to spearhead a project as the new intern and having to rally folks that she didn't really know that well to put something together. There was this whole thing about there being another rival out there who totally wanted to fuck Sam. And like, we didn't get to do anything with that. I was hoping she would become some weird complication for Mon and Sam. I kind of hope she would generally try to recruit Mon and that would get weirdly sexually charged too. I just feel like... We started with the conceits of the boss-employee thing, and then it turned into this complex family drama about how our elders won't let us choose for ourselves, which I don't have a problem with. But if you're asking me about this as a workplace romance, it stops really feeling like one in about the middle. I feel like you, like it's one of those things that started strong and then sort of started floundering and then flailing, and then tried to finish strong and mostly succeeded, but also kind of didn't. The front half of Gap, I really, really, really enjoyed. And there are threads that were running through the whole thing that I also really, really, really enjoyed. But then there were a lot of ideas getting thrown against the wall, and not all of them stuck. There were points at which I was just kind of like, wait, what's happening now? It's not that they kept introducing new plot lines because they didn't. These were all plot lines that were introduced in like the first couple of episodes of the series. But the way that they get developed doesn't feel quite right. The balance of the show feels off. And that's coming from me who really enjoyed it. I did enjoy the vast majority of Gap, but I feel like the balance of the show was off. It could have been about Mon and her weird obsession and her coming to terms with her queerness and figuring out how to do all of that while working for her girlfriend. Or it could have been about Sam trying to break free of her grandmother and everything that that came with. But I feel like trying to do both, the balance got lost, and Mon kind of disappeared. We're talking about coming down towards the end, the last handful of episodes. Mon and Sam get married. Twice! They get like, married girl, on the beach and then married I'm on like, the- girl, do your parents, like, when's the last time you went home? Do your parents even know you have a girlfriend? How are you getting married? Like, That's true. You know like, I don't I mean? feel like we ever really reckoned with Mon's family's perspective on what was going on. But not just Mon's family's perspective, Mon's perspective, because we come to understand through the story that this is also a queer self-discovery story because Mon doesn't know that she likes women, that she's lesbian or queer or however you want to put it mon doesn't know that about herself and i feel like her whole queer discovery gets totally lost for all the shrift that it's given in the show the level of importance that mon and sam's queerness is given in the show 
their own reckoning with it is kind of not there. I feel I like Mon's primary reckoning is actually with Nop's pick-me-ass. I think the big thing for Mon is she's already just so devoted to Sam that she has a brief bit of, oh shit, is this a gay thing? But it doesn't change the context of her feelings. She just wants to be with Sam, period. I'm totally with you. Like I feel like the discovery from Mon feels like it happens very quickly or by default. But I think that's sort of also the point here. Poor people are often allowed to maybe just be queer because nobody cares. If your family doesn't care, who else gives a shit? Mon's parents didn't care. Her friends didn't care. Nop only cared because he didn't get chosen. But as soon as he got his ass tossed onto the ground, he's like, all right, never mind. Let me not be that dude. To be clear, we're nitpicking. We loved Gap. It was so fun to watch every week. I looked forward to it. I was like, I can't wait to watch the girlies lose their shit over this show. It was so fun to watch week in and week out. Becky and Freen are so enjoyable together. And the costuming department of this show has had the most fun, and clearly money, of any Thai show we've watched in the last couple of years. Every single character looks so goddamn good in this show. Everyone is surfing looks from left to right. Every time she walks out, David's like, I can't believe she's got another bad bitch office walk outfit to come in. She's firing somebody today. Look at that titty window. She is ready to destroy everyone. It was so much fun. These girls were gorgeous. There was so much storytelling happening through the costuming. They look so good. Like, I can't overstate how great everyone looked. In terms of this being like a workplace GL, I think it loses touch with that as the relationship starts to solidify and the family stuff comes to the but things I enjoyed in the show, I loved how terrible of a boss Sam was. I loved it. So much fun. She may be a hard-ass boss, but like firing useful people because they're getting it on is so stupid. That's why your competitors are stealing your ideas, because you're firing all your people for petty reasons. They're like, we got a traitor in our midst. I'm like, a traitor? You fired everybody who worked on all of this shit. <laughs> probably didn't get a good non-compete out of them either. Also, who cares? Like, you fired me for petty reasons. Screw you. (laughs) I loved all the employees. That cast was so much fun to watch week in and week out. Oh my goodness. Aunt Me and is it Ya? Is that the one who had the affair with the other guy? I think so, yeah. The office characters are a colorful delight. Thoroughly enjoyed. Ridiculous in the best ways. Love them so much. There's so much good about Gap. The office characters are great. Sam's core friend group is phenomenal. Really and truly, like, I don't think David realized that T was played by somebody who's femme adjacent. I think Noi identifies as non-binary, actually. I think so. But I, I loved just... T. I loved... Jim. <laughs> Call me Martha. And I loved <laughs> Cade so much. Just like, delightful. If there's one thing Idol Factory has figured out, it's how to make the most cracked out but top-tier friend groups. I just love that they're mean girls. They are! Like, they they bullied Mon when they were young. They're mean girls, and they're just perfect for it. They bullied her back in school. They bully Sam. They love her, but they bully her. They bully Mon into getting with Sam. They're mean girls. They're horrid. I love them so much. I know! I like that they just get to be mean girls. There's no moralizing that happens around them being mean girls. They're just. I love that they just intervene. They're like, are these two really not fucking yet? We're going to fix this ourselves. We're intervening right now. 
Jim's like, here's some scotch. Drink this. Also, remove those goddamn nails. Why? You're not tearing up each other's boxes like that. Come on now. <laughs> That's why Jim's my MVP character. Because she saved them by telling them to remove the nails. I love them calling Yuki and T for advice. All right, let's have the T and Yuki aside. Okay. My biggest real frustration with this particular show is the lack of T and Yuki. But I realize that this show is overdramatic. And T and Yuki have no place in a show this dramatic. Because it's really simple. T looked at her and said, sup, baby girl. And that was it. <laughs> That's legit what happened. <laughs> what is legitimately what happened? Okay. T said, drops, I'm locking this down drops, immediately. Like, I used to hang out with a, a lesbian just like T. I don't know what the fuck she whispered in these girls' ears. But then they just be vibing for the rest of the night and then they dip. And I'm like, how does this work all the time? Like, what do you tell these girls? I don't know, some bullshit. And, <laughs> and Yuki is in the background of this show for the rest of the time, getting her back blown out and then showing up in T-shirts the next time she's on screen. <laughs> Yuki is living her best life from the minute she walked into T's. Tears is like, oh, all right, I'm locking this down. End of. And that was it. And like, like you they never, are clearly you never a unit. Them separated again, aside from one or two moments where like Yuki goes over to Mon's house or something, she's crying or whatever. They're never separated again. Okay. I, I guarantee you that first night that T met Yuki when she took Mon home and then she and Sam decided to fight it on. And then she's like, I'm going to go take Yuki home. Bet your ass she took Yuki home. And <laughs> Yuki never recovered from <laughs> taking her home. Guarantee it. Okay? Like, the next time you see her, she's hanging all over T. <laughs> it's just Her like... wardrobe shifted. Like, her hairstyle, too. Yuki's like, I guess I'm gay now. It wasn't even a conversation. She ain't talked to Mon about nothing. She was just like, girl, I mean, I guess I'm just gonna just like live this life of getting my back blown out on regular. I can't be mad about it, I suppose. So <laughs> the show is so stuffed already. I understand why they pull back on the TNUK of it all, but I would still like to see it. That's all I'm saying. I don't need a whole season of it. Please don't do that to us. I don't even need a, I don't even need a cutie pie to you. Just give me like a smooth two episodes. That's I all I honestly take just like a 20 minute special about what T and Yuki were up to in the background of this plot. Only 20? Come on, you need more than 20 minutes. Nah, I want them to do it in 20. Japan tells incredible stories in like 25 minutes every week. You can do it, Thailand. I believe in you. Mm, I want 30. I just want... <laughs> no. I just want... 20, no, I just, 25 no. minutes. <laughs> we gotta be stern no. with them. Because I that's how they end like, up with That's how they end up with 50-minute shows all the time. And I so, just need 10 whole minutes of Noi just walking up to the actress who plays Yuki and be like, hey. Aaron? Like, I just need 10 minutes of that, and then you can do whatever you want with the other 20 minutes. That's fine. I really loved that friend group, though. Like, you, they you, are, like you, they're, they're very much like just mean girls, but I love that they are so, so unhealthily codependent with each other. It's Absolutely. so great. Absolutely, I have real love in my heart for Luknam, who plays Jim. She's so good. So, 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 so good. I saw her in something before Secret Crush on You because I remember seeing her in Secret Crush on You and recognizing her. I can't remember what it was. She is one hell of an actress. She can do comedy. She can do drama. She's so good. I want to see her so much more. Before we get to the girls, let's talk about the boys. Why? Let's talk about... Because we're going to talk about Becky and Freen for like the next half hour. 
I want yes, to we talk Very about enough. the way Hang and Nan played their roles as supports in this. Because both of them end up kind of being friends and antagonists in the plot lines here. And I think we should discuss how we feel about their implementation in the story. I think the thing that I'm probably most salty about, about Yap, is what the story does with Kirk. Because at the beginning of the story, you get the impression, which is later not borne out, that Kirk and Sam have been friends for a long time, that Kirk knows that Sam likes women and that Sam is not interested in him, and that he's kind of being her bairn to her grandmother so that she can do the things that she wants to do. She can run her business, she can do whatever. That's the impression you get at the beginning of the story, that he knows what's going on, and he's a part of what's going on in that way. So that he I concur. I absolutely protect, thought he was for her. Absolutely thought he knew what was going on and thought he was helping her flirt with Mon in the early episodes. Yeah, and then so to have it all turn around where like at the end he's like he's actually in love with her and wants to marry her to the point where he goes and has a hello Barbara this is Shirley moment with Mon. And I'm just there like What? Oh, Jesus. That's good. Y'all should go Google that. <laughs> yeah. If you if you don't know what that means, go look it up. I was confused when that happened because I was like, but didn't you? <laughs> I thought you knew what this was. I thought you were complicit in when Sam did too. She was like, what is your problem, dude? <laughs> so when that happened, I was like, wait, wait, I thought we were somewhere else, but we're we're here? <laughs> I keep going back to Deborah Cox. How did you get here? Nobody's supposed to be here. What are you doing here, Kirk? I don't understand. And then he outs them to the grandmother. Horrible. I started off with a great deal of love in my heart for the Kirk character. And then by somewhere around the middle, I was like, oh no, you're actually the fucking worst. <laughs> Go away. I don't want you here. <laughs> I felt worse about Kirk than I felt about Nop. Nop got his ass shoved across the yard and then he was like, okay, I get it. And that was it. It was all, <laughs> you know what I mean? What an incredible scene, by the way. <laughs> Becky and Nan did such a great job in that scene work together. I'm going to praise Becky a lot, but I really like how consistently she performed with every other actor she worked with on the show particularly her scenes with Nan. She plays Mon's... All right, we're cool, bro, but, like, can you please take, like, a solid step back <laughs> really well? Like, I love you, but fuck off. It's really the great ener the, the energy that she gives off. I love the, like, shitty boy way that Nan plays Nop. It's so good. He does that I'm a good guy presumptuous thing mm -hmm. so well. And it gets played for kind of the like gross possessiveness that it is. But just to the line, it doesn't turn into a sneer ever with him. He gets he his like, ass handed to him and yeah. then he reassesses and steps back, which makes him a good boy. The only thing that could have made this show great was in the episode, like truly great. Like this is the show we will never stop talking about great is in the episode where the, the Kirk situation comes to light and Mon's frustrated with Sam and walks off because she's just yelling at everybody, calling Mon a traitor, calls her out her name, calls her a hoe. <laughs> David did not get over that for weeks. He's like, you can't talk to me. You called me a hoe. I'm out here doing my whole shit. Don't talk to me. That like, was the most lesbian moment I have ever seen on film. I'm just the only you. thing that could have made that better is when she came out and was like, really? You out here talking to this dude again? Is if Freen had come around the corner with Hang as a bat and hit Nan. <laughs> Not with Kirk. <laughs> 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 
You're obsessed with this idea of hitting a motherfucker. I want to see it so badly. I want to. I want her to hit a motherfucker with another motherfucker so bad. I needed it. That's the special I want. I want to see Freem beaten on to death with Hank. Oh my but, god. Freed seems so sweet. I can't even see her actually doing that. So she shoves Kirk to the ground. And I know as soon as they said cut, Freen was so embarrassed for throwing Kirk to throwing Hank to the ground like that. <laughs> I just remember when it wasn't Freen, but it was the Sam character. It was the younger mm-hmm. version of the Sam character when she steps behind the car to protect the younger Mon character. She stopped that car with the power of a woman. <laughs> I love how you and David were just like, yes, this is what we signed up for. This is exactly what we signed up to see. For like nine episodes, it was exactly what we signed up to see. And then it got weird. Like real it, weird. Like real fast. It did. Like it's such a strange <laughs> show. Like, <laughs> oh I truly, God. truly love this silly little show. It was delightful. It was really, like, truly it's, it's delightful. A, like, genuinely, this show is kind of a mess. Like, let's be, let's be. <laughs> like, yes. yes. But how can you first not? GL, it was fun. That matters so much more. There have been things that are good, but not fun. I mean, how do you not love a show that lets your main character apologize to her? female friend by basically giving her a little thrill when she goes over to apologize to Jim and starts kissing her. So great. And Jim was like, oh, wait a minute. Don't unlock something in me. I got this baby to deliver. (laughs) In my head, Jim is bi anyway. Not just bi, but Jim also, like, she would risk it all for Sam. She absolutely would. (laughs) If Sam said, yeah, Jim would be like, what husband, what baby? He seems super chill. Like, he'd be like, do what you got to do, baby. <laughs> and that's probably why she married him. I love that scene where Sam goes to apologize to Jim and she just starts kissing on her. Like, she kisses her cheek and then she kisses her shoulder and she kisses her hand. And Jim's just like, oh, I mean, do I have to get married? Like, <laughs> it was so funny it was so funny and then kid keeps coming through coming off set in the weird outfits and the wigs i love that kate outed them instantly like she walks out you're kissing i'm gonna tell everybody she walks out (laughs) sees them developing a whole new gl specific trope in let me taste the lipstick i just put on you Absolutely insane. Good job, girls. (laughs) This show was so much fun to watch. All right. Oh, my God. Talked about the friends. Talked about the real shit about the plot is kind of... mm. Let's talk about the girls. Let's talk about Cher. I... Cher and Risa, she's kind of like, okay, you've got your, you've got your elder gays coming in to school the girlies with some knowledge. Make them think like, oh, what are we actually doing here? How do we actually feel like I did enjoy that, but they were necessary. Yes, they were absolutely necessary characters. I feel like I could have gotten a bit more sizzle from I was here exclusively for Cher beefing with Sam. All of it didn't translate properly into English, but Lux was like, I don't give a fuck who you are, bitch. Don't ever come into my goddamn resort and tell me shit. Why don't you stop interrupting me trying to hang out with my wife? I said it. Wife. Ring. Shut up. (laughs) And handle your business over here. Because she looking kind of dry. Make it right. Cher was just so incredibly hostile from jump. And I kind of loved it. I love it because I've been around those lesbians. Like you walk through the door and like they look at each other and they sneer. And you're like, 
the fuck just happened? I don't like her. What did she do? <laughs> she just rubbed me the wrong way. Right? They're like trying to mark territory or some shit. I don't like her. I don't like when she talked to me. She didn't say like shit to you. You saw the look she gave me. <laughs> it's like Thunderdome. Two enter, only one can leave. Right? You know? Oh, man. I enjoyed them for what they were. I see how they were important to the plot. Around the time they enter the story is when I started going, okay, really? Is this really how this is going to go? Like, <laughs> by, then, by then we were like kind of getting deep into the grandmother plot and stuff. And I was just kind of, oh, and then you know how I feel about weddings. So I just kind of, at that point, I was like, fine. Okay. But I did still enjoy it. Let's talk about Nung. Oh my, no, wait, 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 hold on. I can't talk about Nung yet. Hold on, hold on. Oh no. She's dying. Okay. She's dying. I can't talk about Nung without talking about Song. Because Nung's existence in contrast to Song's is one of the reasons that I love her so much. Song her grandmother gets on her shit and she like basically covers her eyes and goes running into traffic. But mm-hmm. Nung is just like, ah, oh, fuck her. She's weak. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I was like, girl, your sister died. And she's like, fuck her. She was weak. I was like, no. She looked at, she looked at her and she's like, where have you been? I've been, Traveling around the world. I've been watching all sorts of movies. What are you? She's like, you are the weak. And I am the tyranny of evil men. Oh my god. I'm sorry. We should be taking this more seriously. but Gap yes, is not very, a show to be taken homo- that seriously. The homophobia was terrible. Like, Song's death was very sad. But no- And the grandmother... Is so busy beefing with Song's girlfriend. They get to the hospital and she's like, this is your fault. Not Let me go check on my granddaughter. Does any of us need to contribute blood? Can we make sure she doesn't die? No. I need to yell at this lesbian first. It was just like, like what? So when Nung comes through, first of all, Nung arrives in the most like random way ever she's just chilling on the beach that they happen to go to like that's it she's just there chilling on the beach drawing shit not surprised you see them at all like oh what up little sis (laughs) (laughs) that's already like a weird thing to begin with and then sam offers her money to like help her tell the grandmother that she's with a girl or whatever and she's like oh i have to talk to her never mind (laughs) (laughs) i'll pay you like three thousand dollars all right you gotta talk to grandma (laughs) no (laughs) all right what if i make it 30 30 man i could stretch 30 i guess she's like i'll help you but what i gotta talk to that old bitch forget about it And she's part of the confrontation and she's like, that's right. You've ruined all of our lives. Fuck you, old lady. (laughs) And then Sam's like, no. And she's like, don't do it, Sam. Don't let her get away. Don't let her pretend to be dying. She does this all the time. I sent you the voice note where I was joking with David of like when Sam and Mon run out of the room and Nung's just standing there cackling. I'm like, I wish that like, Lightning had started striking dramatically in the background, and her hair started getting blown back by a fan as she rose a few feet off the ground, and we shined a light up from under her directly at her face. And she's like, now you will pay the final price, old woman. (laughs) Oh my god, we're gonna get cancelled, because this is serious shit, like serious painful shit that's happening in this story. But we just can't stop laughing! Nung was like everything to me. Like Nung made the last arc of the story worth it for me. Other than our crack reactions, the dramatic part of this is, unfortunately, when you're dealing with family situations like this, 
this. Your job as the oldest sometimes is to fight your elders for the younger people in your family. That's not an easy thing to accept. You don't want to do that. Like, none just wanted to chill and make her little lesbian art and draw coochies and stuff. point do we see nunchu and coochies i just want to let y'all know okay but she was clearly making lesbian art that got burned in the beginning let me tell you that grandma she a real gangster because she sprayed lighter fluid on them paintings took out a whole lighter and just tossed it on the paintings burn that shit in the yard christina bring me the axe <laughs> she's like falling out barbara please please barbara y'all i'm sorry we we do have reactions other than crack reactions to grab the series i promise we we led with our real reactions which was yeah we really like the production we really like the talent we love idol factory i love their commitment to queer narratives and queer people and it's so beautiful. Their shows look so good. Everybody is so attractive in these shows. Everybody is dressed well. Clearly, actors are in charge, and there are not enough nerds watching the books on <laughs> Idol Factory. Idol Factory is going to have the same problems Nadal had, overspending on all their shows. But until they go under, the, everything's going to be so fun. But, like, this was so much fun. Like, the reason why we're laughing like this it's because it was fun. Seriously, Gap was just so funny. My yeah. last point about why you should not take this show too seriously. Why does Mon have a book on her desk about how not to get gotten by the IRS? <laughs> Mon literally writes on a whiteboard in her bedroom when she's sad and ready to like bust it out. <laughs> she writes on a whiteboard, go to England. Like, that's her plan. <laughs> I love this show so much. And the crackiness is like 90% of why I love it. And the other 10% is watching Freen Saroja's face journeys. Freen is so funny in this show. Like, oh my Freen. God. Like, <laughs> Freen is- Half of the show would not work if Freen could not hold that character together. The biggest thing that Idol Factory could do for me now is if they're like, we're releasing a DVD, what's on it? Bloopers. Oh, I'm all over it because I need to see Freen when she lost composure playing this character. She's so detailed as an actress. Everything about her, like her face, the way that she holds her body, she's really good i don't think people understand that watching her play this character how good she is both of them are so convincing in these characters mon's discovering something in sam her hesitancy about overstepping which i think is interesting too because she's mixed and she's had her characters had a rough experience with that being in thailand becky and freen deliver The most satisfying early GL relationship that we've had wide acknowledgement of. There have been a lot of little GLs. There's like a little GL airing right now, which I haven't had the chance to start yet because I'm still recovering. They could have phoned it in when it came to the intimacy stuff. The history of the genre would have forgiven them for being shy about kissing and or sex. And they do not hold back on this they were like we are gonna give the gays everything they want they kiss so many different ways so convincingly every single one of their kisses feels appropriate for what was going on at that moment and they did not have to get that deep into the particulars of sex we were worried that they had got the chem chem on mon nails done and i'm like stick those in each other is this gonna be the gl equivalent of like the no loop situation in bl and they were like hell no 
take those off. I thought it was going to become a plot point. I thought it was going to become like a sex sent me to the ER kind of plot point. <laughs> and I was so glad when Jim was like, get rid of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hello so... again, folks. We had some problems while we were recording. So we're going to go directly from cackling like a bunch of morons to just trying to piece the rest of this episode together. So Freena and Becky. Yeah, that's where we were. (laughs) Freena and Becky and their chemistry and how much I want to see more of it. I appreciate that Idol Factory put real effort into making sure that this worked, that Freena and Becky put real effort into making sure that this worked. They delivered on all of the chemistry, not just in the bed scenes, which were top tier, I do have to say. One of the things that I actually really loved about Gap is watching how Thailand and Taikuel tackles female sexuality. We get a lot of male sexuality, some of it representative from what I'm told, some of it really outrageous from what I've told. But female sexuality is kind of a black box. Even in Thai head series, I don't feel like I have a sense that anybody involved in making love scenes with women involved either they're not interested in it or they have this weird idea of what it's supposed to be but in gap i feel like it was very honest to female sexuality i'm not a lesbian he doesn't know what i'm talking yeah ben's a boy he doesn't know what i'm I'm not a lesbian but i (laughs) hang out with a lot of lesbians and while watching Gap, I felt like I was hanging out with all the girls on a Tuesday night at specific clubs. I really like how much Becky played Mon coming to terms with feeling she hadn't properly interrogated. And I really like how she owned them once they came along. I liked how Sam repressed her feelings that she was very aware of as a result of what happened to both of her sisters. And I really like the way that plays out with the support of their friends. I really enjoyed how much everyone enabled their entire dynamic to function. And I would really like to see more of Becky and Freed. I really want to see them tackle less fraught dynamics between their characters I'd really like to see them delve into something sort of contemplative and exploratory. Like I really feel like the Japanese style of really committing to a specific concept would play out really well in their hands because they're both really talented. And like you said, Freen makes really specific choices with her acting that really reflects what's going on with the character at the moment. She holds herself together really well in scenes. And I just really really like to see more of them so please i hope that they were successful enough that folks are willing to pay them to do more even if it's not necessarily together i would really like to see more of those too gap being so big means that we have more of a chance for gl and thai gl especially and given the volume that thailand puts out as compared to some of the other countries in asia thai gl becoming popular gives me a lot of hope that there will be a lot more of it. And of course, that's going to come with good and bad, but the more there is, the more of a chance there is for us to get to something like a GL I told Sunset About You or a GL Moonlight Chicken or a GL Bad Buddy. I can't wait to see that happen. Girls, keep going. Keep streaming Gap. Keep watching it. Get those numbers up. Make them realize when 23.5 comes out, watch that. Watch this other one that's going on now. What is it called? Because I'm not watching it because I heard it's not great. But It's I called Show Me Love. I didn't react, check yeah. it out in the very first week because I was still dealing with the winter stuff hangover. But apparently it's fallen into distribution hell. And I'm mm. feeling particularly grumpy about running after shows because they make me work too long right now. <laughs> and so I don't have time to be chasing after shows. That's going to wrap up our gap discussion. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the conversation. I am your boss. So <laughs> I 
still can't believe we called it. It's this my <laughs> favorite line of all time. <laughs> I'm never yep. getting over Becky's delivery of that line. <laughs> Gap's given us the bangers, man. It gave us the bangers. So anyway, so with that, we out. Say bye to the people, Ben. Peace. <laughs>